0: I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a little bit about sketching and imagination and perspective and what we see and how we see. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 377, A Monster Under the Desk. And a short show today, a short show, almost no show. I was almost a no show but a short show. Sometimes it takes only a single moment to destabilize a whole day, to undo weeks or months of something. You can be doing all the things you think you need to do to keep the day in the space and in the framework and in the mindset that you want, to keep the right tone, the right pace, the right feeling, the right pitch, and then poof, in a whoosh, it all comes undone. It happens so easily, and it doesn't even make total sense, that one moment compared to all the other moments, but that does seem to be how things go. It does seem to be human nature to give so much weight to the one moment. And binding our way back out from those moments. It's half the battle of living, of living our best days, of working hard to set up our house of cards and finding our balance again when they fall. Last week, the title of the show referenced a late bloom, and then I forgot to mention those blooms. So it seemed silly that that was part of the title and never even came up. And I just totally forgot. I had meant to mention them, just give a little bit of context. It's a little bit of reality, a little moment of specificity from these days, the days surrounding any given show. And I just forgot, but as some of you probably guessed, those late blooms refer to amaryllis. I had been determined this year to have an amaryllis. And of course, I thought, I will record its growth. This will be so nice. Every day I'll do this little thumbnail or this little sketch or this little bit of documentation and I'll record the timeline, the lifeline, the chronology of an amaryllis. It sounded like a really good idea, but when it comes right down to it, there's a whole lot of time when nothing happens. There's no sign of growth. Every day would be just a recording of a pot of dirt. So I never really got a good foothold in the whole process. And then finally, they grew, there were two, they did start growing and one of them grew a lot, like Jack and the Beanstalk, like it just grew and grew and grew. It still wasn't incredibly drawable. But it kept growing. It grew so tall that it reached the valance, the rooster fabric valance, at the top of the window in the kitchen. Now the other one didn't grow at all that way. It did grow, but much more slowly, and not nearly so tall. It's tiny in comparison to the one in the kitchen. But finally last week, the one in the kitchen bloomed. One bloom opened on one day, And it was easy to overlook that it had even happened because it was wedged up against that balance. So I turned it, rotated it, and its opposite bloom opened the next day. And there are still others too getting ready to open. But they're so tall that there's something lost in those blooms. They're just too tall. They're just too high up to really appreciate the one in the other room, I do think is getting ready to bloom maybe in the next day or so. And there's something charming about it in its very non Jack and the Beanstalk way. So I know it is a different variety and we will see what it looks like when it opens. But in case you were worried about what the late bloom referenced, that's it. I was thinking this morning about a school desk, a specific moment with a school desk, a specific school desk, and on the heels of that, many, 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 many chairs. I have a whole list of things, but this comes up and it's concise enough, I think, to do just what I'm getting ready to do. This little short meander through how we see, it all goes back to this school desk. Before that, before I really concretely zoomed in on this memory of this desk, I was playing games of pool on my phone. It's a text app game that I am really enjoying with both my sons and especially with my brother. He and I have played a lot of pool in the last few days, endless games of pool. You can play on hard or on easy And though the boys have us playing in hard mode, my brother and I seem to revert to the comfort of the easy one more often than not. It has a bit of aim assist, just a bit, just enough to make it a little easier, helps you visualize your aim as you line up your shot. And you don't have to really have any experience with pool to play this game. But my brother happens to have a pool table in his dining room and We all, to some extent, play pool. We all enjoy it. So it has been interesting in this simple phone game to see how difficult it can be at times to line things up, even with a little bit of aim assist. If you get it lined up right, you are pretty much guaranteed to make the shot. But your eyes have to be able to follow this little line through the air all the way across the distance to whatever pocket you are aiming at. And that sounds really easy, that you should be able to take this line you're given and your eyes should just be able to continue it and line it up exactly where it needs to go. And it is fascinating how difficult that can be. Now, when you are closer, it is easier. And when you are farther away, it's definitely If you're just a little bit off this way or that, you'll probably miss. You'll release the cue and find that the ball hits to one side or the other. And sometimes I stop and I look at what happened and I think, I should just line everything up a bit to the left or aim a bit to the left of what I think it should be. So I should figure out what I think looks right and then just move it a little bit to the left. And then I thought, do I always misjudge it that same way? Because I'm kind of thinking I do. Is it always the same amount? Maybe. Now, this isn't to say we never make anything. We do. Like I said, we've played a lot of pool. It's one of those games where I wish I could play solo. I could practice. I think back to the years when I spent hours and hours on a golf green putting or just off the edge chipping, or at the driving range, hitting balls. Most times I play this pool game without my glasses on at all. Now, that's an odd and ironic thing in some ways, but I have to take them off to be able to hold the phone close enough for the precise alignment that you need to play this game. And sometimes when I miss a few, I wonder about the whole seeing of things. I wonder why it's hard for our brains to follow that line through space. And yes, I have played with my glasses on as well. I have to hold it much farther away, and I have a much harder time determining which balls are stripes versus solids, which you have to know. I still miss in the same way. I find it much more comfortable to play holding it up close, no glasses, and I can see it that way. But it's made me think about how things just can be a little off. And maybe you just need to shift a little one way or the other. But also how hard it is to see engage those things for our eyes to continue across that space to continue an invisible line to connect two points. It seems like it should be so easy. In real pull, of course, it's obviously much harder. And there are many more variables in real pull. But lining it up is a big one. After I played my turn, I was looking at Linda Barry's making comics. And I've been looking at it on and off for weeks, I guess, just picking it up now and again and really determined this time to actually work through it. I think this one has a lot of exercises and it's set up in a way that invites you to work through it a little differently than syllabus did. So I opened it up and In flipping open my composition book, I saw the simple, hasty, scrawled drawings that I did last week at the library, myself turning into an ear of corn and into a monster and into an animal. Drawings that are really awkward for me. And I didn't spend a lot of time on them. You're not supposed to. I really didn't. But they challenge something within me in ways that I can't quite reconcile. And at the same time, I'm really trying to give myself over to the process. I've been feeling like I'm landing farther and farther away from image in this year, not in 2020, but especially in this 50 before 50 year. There's been a real switch, even in these last few months, and it's the opposite of what I was hoping for, what I was expecting. It's Polar opposite to where I was, maybe seven months ago. There was a whole lot more image and a whole lot more belief in the image, maybe, and somehow just a willingness to keep doing it. A real emphasis on the importance of it for me and for me in the documentation of the day to day. And I was leveraging all of that onto this year. But all of a sudden, I feel farther and farther away from image. And That has me puzzled. I'm aware of it. That's the first step, right? I'm aware of it. But it does have me puzzled. And this morning, I didn't do any of the exercises from the book, but I had just a few minutes before I needed to leave. And so I thought I would just draw one of her characters, imitate one of her characters, emulate it, one of her monster like things, specifically. I am not one to draw other people's drawings this show is not about that. It's not about the ways that can be done and is done and should be done or why I don't do it. It's not about any of that. In this case, I actually did do that. I drew one of her small monsters. Barry talks a good bit about that, about basically copying other people's drawings like that. And so I felt like drawing her monsters as a way of watching those shapes happen and thinking about it would, be something she would support. Some of the drawings in the book, in fact, are her drawings of her students' drawings. She does talk about that in multiple places and in syllabus as well. So I drew the monster that was on the page that I was on. I didn't flip around and try to find something specific. I wasn't drawing one of her Professor Yeti drawings. I just decided to draw one of the random monsters on the page. It's a really simple looking monster too. But you know, simple is often misleading. And drawing these monsters doesn't come naturally to me at all. Not at all. So where do you start? It's just a shape, basically with a face, semblance of body parts. Where do you start? Everybody's going to start somewhere differently. Where do you start when you draw a piece of bread? Where do you start? Do you start at that edge or this edge or the back edge? Where do you start when you draw a coffee cup? Do you start with the rim? Do you start with the bottom? Do you start with the handle? We all do this differently and how we do this has so much to do with how the drawing turns out and with how we see and with how we gauge size and with whether or not our pieces fit together in the end. So the monster isn't something that comes natural to me. I started with the head and I quickly and loosely sketched the same shape as hers. And it's not something that takes more than a few seconds. I wasn't trying to get an exact replication. I just thought I'll draw that. But after I did it, I thought, hmm, mine still doesn't have quite that monster feel like hers. Why? And then I think, well, maybe if I look at it tomorrow, somehow it will all settle down and I'll open my book and think, oh, yeah, it totally looks like a monster. But in the moment, I thought, huh, doesn't really look like a monster like hers does, even though it's clearly a drawing of that. The head on mine was maybe not quite big enough in relation to the body. The head on hers is bigger. And I did start with the head. And I wonder if I start somewhere else, how would it go? Would it look more like a monster when I was done? Would the head be more appropriately sized? Maybe even bigger than big? I wonder if I draw it again two or three more times. How it will go? Would the shape start to feel more comfortable? Would this monster begin to become mine? Would there be something that starts to make sense for me in drawing a monster? This monster shape isn't something in my head at all. In several of the exercises I've done, she's instructed the student to draw a monster or something that has to do with a monster. And I find it odd that there is sort of a void of monster choices in my head to pull from in that moment. It's kind of disconcerting. Draw a monster. These exercises are a real challenge for me because they land me squarely both in the unknown and in the unpracticed. And being in that space, it's interesting and it's exciting and it's a little bit intimidating. The whole goal is to be able to let loose and just let yourself go. And I find that incredibly hard to do. So no, I don't, really have any interest in drawing monsters but i do have an interest in finding more freedom in my drawing in being more accepting also of what i draw less critical maybe of being more willing to draw something bad rather than nothing at all and that's a big one especially when you want to document in this form at all it's a real hang up to get really caught up in whether or not each little thing is any good or not because When you tell a story in images, it's going to take hundreds of images. You have to let go a little bit, but it's a little more complicated than that. But I don't know. I sometimes feel like I'm at the edge of this giant divide, something that I want for reasons that are very hard to explain. And when I really push within myself to try and explain it, I don't necessarily have the answers, but I also don't run away. I'm still right there at the edge. But it's also something that's really hard to grasp and grab and start doing. Eh, That's not a fair thing to say for myself because I have started doing many, many times. But it is something that's difficult because it does require letting go. I think it requires letting go to really tap in, to tap within To just embrace line, no matter how childish it makes you feel. And of course, I don't have the association with that childish feeling, even because I have no memory of any of that. So I don't have that feeling. I just have this feeling of the unknown. As I looked at that monster, though, see, there's always this bird walk. As I looked at the monster, I thought about a moment last winter and It's a moment that has really stuck with me in terms of seeing, in terms of how our eyes work when we try and draw something from life versus something flat. And there are all kinds of arguments on both sides of that. I think both of these things have their place. Sometimes it's great to draw your coffee mug sitting in front of you. And sometimes it's great to draw it from a photo. I love both of those things. If you're someone who loves to go outside and stand in the street to draw the house, awesome. If you like to snap a photo and do it at home, also great. So I know that both things have a place, but I'm actually really interested in the ways in which that experience can be different when we do it. Sometimes they're both going to come out interesting, maybe good, maybe true true to life. The coffee cup probably will look like a coffee cup either way. Maybe you do a better job with it if it's from life or from photo or whatever, but they probably both work. But some things are a lot harder to do from life than from a photo. The stack of clothes and blankets piled up in front of me, that's harder to do from life than from a photo. I know that. I've tried that. So what came to mind, though, was this moment last year, we had driven to a university for an interview, turned out to be a trip that had some good aspects and some very scary things that happened, and we had to race back. And so there's a whole lot to the whole thing. But in the actual moment, it was a day. And it was a day of torrential rain. And after the interview, My son was sitting in on a class before we knew we were going to head back early. So we ran across campus in the pouring down rain to the classroom building. And I would have gone back and sat at the library on a normal day. But given the rain, and and I mean just downpour rain, I decided that I would just wait for him in that building. Turned out that it was a lot longer than I realized. And there wasn't really anywhere to hang out. I walked in circles around that building, a very confusing, but also very circuitous building. And I found an almost empty classroom. Finally, that's what I decided this would make sense. The door was open. There was one person sitting inside working at a desk. So I stepped inside. I levered myself into the tiny seat And figured I would wait there until a class started and leave as needed. Sitting there in that room, I decided to draw one of the desks in front of me. I don't remember why. Maybe I just thought it looked really interesting. I don't exactly know what I was thinking. I do have a thing for chairs, though. And it was, you know, a pretty interesting desk. It was so enticing, but it turned out to be such a puzzle. I think I did it on index cards because what I finally have is in my Hobonichi from last year. I was documenting my days on the one side, which has the Monday through Sunday blocks. And on the other side, every week I was drawing something, usually a portrait. But for that week, I actually have this desk, but not the desk I drew on the spot. So I think I drew these just on a scrap of paper or index card. I know I did a couple because it turned out to be such a puzzle. I just could not do it. I could follow the oval back and the beams that stretched out from it and the way they curved down. I could see how the seat was connected and how the desk portion was connected. And then the tangle of legs at the bottom with their metal crossbars. I could see all of it. And yet somehow I could not draw it. Could not draw it. And and I knew sitting there... That if I took a picture, somehow that would change it. And yes, I know that you're going to say that flattens it out and it changes it. But I kept puzzling over why with it right there in front of me, I couldn't make sense of where these things were in space in relation to one another on my paper. And I kept trying to follow, only work with things that were connected so that I would follow things logically reach the next part, but nothing came out the right size. Nothing fit together right. It was so skewed in terms of perspective. It was really a head-scratching puzzle. It's a desk. I kept thinking, it's just a desk. Why can't I draw this desk? It's interesting sometimes how we can see perspective and shape and size and length, and yet we can't make our lines match what we see. In the same way that sometimes I line up my shot in pool and still miss. And the more we practice, I'm sure the better we get. But maybe we also just have to realize that we need to aim a bit this way or that to compensate for something that we innately do. Or for some little bit off that we instinctively are. Sitting in that classroom was funny. It was funny after my failed attempts at drawing that desk, I was putting together a weekly collage view. I was doing this 52 weeks thing last year where every week I would put together a bird's eye view summary of the week, the things I had drawn or worked on creatively that week. And it was a practice that I really enjoyed, but I was doing that and I needed to airdrop a few photos from my phone to a backup phone that I was using. And stupidly, Really embarrassingly, in this process, I accidentally airdropped those photos to that student sitting over a few rows across from me. And as soon as I realized what I had done, I was like, oh no, I think I got up and left. But that desk, it sticks with me. And it sticks with me because later I did draw it from a photo in my Hobonichi. So every once in a while, when I flip through last year's journal, I'll see that drawing. Actually, I just pulled it from the shelf. And yeah, it is the only thing on that page for that day. And my note says, in person, this desk and chair was impossible for me. Photo flattens it and helps me make sense of it. And I see looking at it now, strangely, I wonder, I'll have to find the photo. It's got two back legs and then the two legs that are part of the desk. And I look at it now, even in front of me in this sketchbook, just this quick drawing. And I know this drawing is still off a little bit too. I do have a thing with chairs. But I wonder why that was so hard in person. I wish I had one in front of me so I could try it again and again and again. And I would just keep trying it and hope that I could train myself to somehow make sense of the space. And maybe if I draw myself turning into an ear of corn a dozen times, somehow that will become more natural and make sense and somehow look like something. Or maybe if I draw a monster that many times. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for today. That is it for episode 377. These things all loosely go together. Maybe you've had similar moments whether it's problems with perspective or whether it is doing something new and letting yourself be not so good at something, whether it's doing something you want to do, even if you think maybe you're not so good at it. You know, there's that thing about saving that special piece of paper until you have the perfect use for it until you have the skills to make the perfect use of it. But if you don't ever do anything, you never get those skills. You never gain those skills. You don't get that practice and experience. You don't get to really find out if it's for you or not. Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith and you have to just go ahead and do it and maybe do it badly and maybe do it badly for a while and maybe reach out and ask someone to witness you doing it badly. Someone you trust who can just witness Maybe you have to go ahead and plant something and realize that the growing may be imperceptible, but it might just grow and grow and grow and grow. A Jack and the Beanstalk moment for sure. And maybe you have a thing for monsters. Maybe like my house, you watched Monsters, Inc. a bazillion times years ago. Or maybe you've read hyperbole. You know, there are all kinds of things that have... Monsters. There is that wonderful graphic novel, My Favorite Thing is Monsters, which I have never actually finished, but it's really actually quite big and dense for a graphic novel and done in ballpoint. It's wonderful. I've never finished it. It's one I pick up now and again and think, I'm really going to make it through this this time because it's staggering and overwhelmingly amazing. So monsters there too, different kind of monsters. So that's it for today. I'm going to leave it at that. A short show. I think there should be short shows. I'm Amy and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as ohamyoamy. Thank you to those of you who support the show at Patreon, patreon.com slash Matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.